my hope is that when you sit with someone, literally, physically, have to sit with somebody else and someone else's ideas for a while in a space that asks you to listen, I think that can be really transformative. And I think, again, part of that is the wonder and the courage of an audience member to arrive and the courage of a performer to be vulnerable, to tell the story, to use their body as a conduit for that conversation. Based out of the University of the Fraser Valley on unceded traditional lands of the Stolo people, we are the Community Health and Social Innovation Hub, or Chassis for short. We support the social, mental, emotional, physical, and economic health of those living in our communities by bringing together experts from across disciplines. Those experts have some incredible stories and insights. To share those with the communities we serve, we bring you the Chassis Cast, a monthly program where we drill down on a current topic and chat about how it impacts our lives. I'm thrilled to be here today uh, for another uh, version of Chassis Cast, and today I'm with uh, Dr. Shelley Liebenbach uh, from the theater department and super excited to uh, talk to you a bit about your journey to UFV and certainly the Laramie Project which uh, as you know is how we met as yes. I saw that poster and was so excited. Yeah. So welcome Shelley and would love just to hear you talk a bit about you know your journey to UFV. Perfect thank you Martha it's great to be here it's super exciting to get to talk about the Laramie Project that opens this week and also kind of broadly about um, arriving here at U of V and seeing how we can amplify what the theater program does uh, for the community here. So it's a really great opportunity. Thank you. Um, generally, I came out to U of V four years ago now, um, had never been uh, really in Abbotsford before. So it was a very new. And I was coming from um, teaching in Mount Allison University, which is in New Brunswick. And before that, I did my doctorate and my postdoc in Toronto in theater and performance studies. And my background is as an actor. I trained in New York at the Atlantic Theater Company Conservatory and worked in acting for a while and didn't find like it was meeting all of the things I wanted uh, to be doing. So I was really excited to go back and um, study theater and performance studies and think about it and put the, all that together. And I'm really excited to be here because I feel like as an educator at U of V, I get to draw on all of those things um, from my love of acting and working with student actors here and also thinking about how theater functions to build community and to think critically about work. Um, and also, again, teaching theater and performance studies in a way that recognizes that it is both a practice and includes criticality and includes theory and is really a creative engagement with thinking across a lot of different topics and thematics and methodologies, I guess. No, wonderful. And I wonder, I know this is a natural sort of segue into the Laramie Project, but yeah. can you talk a little bit about the importance of theatre in these times? Right. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, especially coming out of COVID or kind of in whatever we are in now, um, you know, for me, when theatres closed and we couldn't gather in, in any way, honestly, you couldn't even gather at a friend's house, um, the the value of coming into a space and sharing the same space and time with someone in real time um, and getting to uh, 
yeah, experience something together and be part of something, both as a performer in an ensemble, but also as an audience, um, it became even more clear than ever that that is so important to me. And so as soon as, uh, even during the, the pandemic, I should say, I did direct a show here via Zoom. So I made a Zoom play of Antigone, which was still, again, I think the idea was to still allow the space for us to be thinking and be using art to respond and reflect on our current times. To me, that's always very important. I'm not the first by any means who thinks that way, but I think art really is a is a wonderful way to refract our lived experience and allow for different entry points um, to how we, you know, how, how are we supposed to do what we do and how are we supposed to hopefully figure out better ways of, of doing and being with each other. So again, I think doing a Zoom play was still the attempt to keep making theater and I think being able to come back to, to working um, in, in um, a live medium with the students here has been amazing. And I think, again, it's so important because my hope is that when you sit with someone, literally, physically, have to sit with somebody else and someone else's ideas for a while in a space that asks you to listen, I think that can be really transformative. And I think, again, part of that is the wonder and the courage of an audience member to arrive and the courage of a performer to be vulnerable, to tell the story, to use their body as a conduit for that conversation. Um, and again, so I think the potential is enormous um, to really say we're gathering here and you're asked to just come and listen and, and reflect. Um, and that again, that's where for me, theater uh, can offer various uh pushes back against the idea of also just consumption, right? Art is consumption. It isn't, it is both entertainment. I, I believe very much in what Bertolt Brecht said, which was, um, we can't teach anything if we're not also entertaining. Um, and I, so I think it's really important for political theater, or theater that has a social activist perspective, which I hope my, the work I'm doing always does. It's that question of how do we engage, you know, civic engagement, social engagement. We need to also, of course, amuse our audience, allow all of us to feel welcome, to feel invited, uh, but then also, you know, find those spaces where then we can um, poke back a bit. And I, and I at least always find that in the theater, um, we're, we're kind of together uh, in that space. So it hopefully can create that space where we can actually have that conversation, I guess, for, for lack of a better mm. word. Mm. When I saw the poster, we didn't know each other, yeah. and I saw the poster with your name on it, which prompted me to reach out. I was honestly filled in the same moment with um, a deep sadness mm. that it's so relevant in 2023, yeah. and, that, uh, and great excitement because of the vehicle I know the Laramie Project to be. Right. So can you talk a little bit about your yes, choice? Yes, thank you. Um, you know, again, originally was prompted by this idea, you know, we have at the theater program, we're always kind of asked to plan the next season. And I was excited to direct. And I was, and and the prompt was actually looking at something canonical. You know, we often have these requirements as, as a small program. And again, going back and realizing the Laramie Project, yes, it's canonical. It's 23 years ago that this verbatim piece took North America by storm. Uh, again, it's a piece that is a verbatim a set of interviews of a community responding right after the brutal murder of Matthew Shepard, who was a young gay man. And it also obviously was so topical because as we know, as you know, we were the, the state of um, how the LGBTQ plus community is being um, 
treated and thought about in the mainstream um, is, you know, again, there's so many hateful um, perspectives that are claiming to be virtuous and moralizing their perspective. And so, again, I think, yeah, we're in a, in a time, in a moment where it's heinous. And I think having been here for four years, I think the recognition that also here in Abbotsford and, and you know, working to serve the U of E community, um, there's a lot of uh, religious conservative beliefs that don't recognize how intolerant they are, how, how much hate-filled content their exclusions are um, uh, harboring, I guess, for lack of a better word. So for me, again, a, a big part of this piece is, is twofold. One is to make the space to have this conversation with students, to bring in and support and make visible students who are in the LGBTQ plus community, allies to that community, but also to hopefully, you know, do that really heavy lifting of making people realize that just because you're not aware of your intolerance doesn't mean you're not actively doing violence all the time. And I think to me that's what this play captures uh, so meaningfully is um, how violent inaction can be and how violent um, our assumption that our perspective is um, is not cruel, it's live and let live, or it's... It's just not how I see things, you know, how, how, how dangerous that is. And I think, again, the play has a, has a way in the, in the fact that the play is actually allowing us to hear all of these voices uh, and kind of have to sit there and sift through all of these voices, the hateful ones, the ones that are negotiating their position, the ones that are shocked at the violence and so on, and actually force ourselves, I think, actually to realize our own accountability and how proximally some of the voices that maybe we would prefer not to recognize as, as proximal are, you know, and, and, and in, in taking it up again, um, in taking it up here, I was still very surprised in the fall when I was trying to um, gather, you know, students toward the show, how many conversations I had with folks who were not comfortable with working on this piece. And I think to me, each of those conversations um, first of all, was a practice in figuring out how to truly make space to have a conversation with someone who has a different perspective toward hopefully moving toward uh, a more joint, you know, humane perspective. It realizes that, again, some of these questions of not agreeing with a lifestyle are active intolerance and violence. But also, again, it really with each of those conversations made it so clear how significant this piece is generally in this now, but really also very specifically locally here. Mm. These conversations do not seem to be taking place. Um, there seems to be an assumption that, yeah, this is some minority that we can kick to the side. We don't have to think about it without realizing again that the core, I think, of being a humanitarian, of working at a liberal arts institution, of trying to believe and believing in social justice is that every person is a human. And if we don't do that work to recognize what our uh, innate prejudices are, then we're failing. It's interesting yeah. as you're um, as you're speaking, I think that, you know, 
love the sinner, hate the sin, is given so much permission, mm. continues to do mm-hmm. and has forever, certainly, uh, mm. in in my life. Um, and I think this space that we teach in, this community, there's challenges for that. And we see it when our students, you know, bring forward right. um, uh, their own navigation uh, of these issues. So I think it's so profoundly important. And I think we sort of provide greater space around sexuality because mm. this, I, I wonder separation of identity and behavior and you Mm. see that in the play you know this discussion about Matthew but you know the gay rage thing or the behavior or did you know and you see that with various um, characters that are in people that are reflected in the play so I wonder how you navigated a bit of that yeah yeah that's such a great question you know I think uh, like just to give you an example for instance in rehearsal uh, with I'm so lucky I'm working with an 11 person cast here of fantastic students who just so willingly jumped onto this project. And, you know, we'd be working on a piece and suddenly or on a scene or a moment, they're called moments in tectonic theater companies work. And, you know, I'd kind of be working to redirect and I'd say, okay, but look, look how, look at what these words are saying. You know, a big question I asked all the actors to think about as they worked on the text was what is said and what is unsaid? Also in the context of interviews, as we're doing now, right? How do you formulate toward a public something you're saying? So what is kind of, in, in all language, obviously, what is the subtext is important, especially as actors, but also kind of what are we refraining from saying or what are we trying to kind of manipulate or clean up or, you know, and kind of finding all that ambiguity and all the complexity and all the grittiness under these materials. And I think we continued in rehearsal to kind of be taken aback by how, for instance, something could be said for a moment. And even as onlookers, even as a space where we're trying to think about the ethics of this piece and sometimes we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, go back to that line. And the line is heinous. And you just kind of go like, yeah, the line where this gets said. And then in other moments, it was so proximal that we, and, and raw that we couldn't, we, the, part of the navigation in rehearsal was even just saying, okay, we need to take some time and we maybe, you know, we need to figure out how we can perform this and how we can do that safely and how we can actually embody this, how you can actually put those words in your mouth or, mm-hmm. or, or put this character on. Or even we had at the beginning, you know, I offered some of the actors like the opportunity at the end of an embodiment to just literally shake off that character. Um, and I think... That process and the processing of that, even, you know, for instance, I, there's one character, Marge Murray, and again, it's a real person who, you know, has such, she's, she, she has, you know, there's some very humorous moments. She's a very motherly, caring figure. Um, I think there are moments where I really love this character. And then there's some things that this character says that the cognitive dissonance of hearing that is so stark and also at the same time I think that ambiguity of oh right how what are all these things that people hold and and can kind of use at the same time and that we just kind of go yeah okay but that's just Bob or you know that's just my mom and sometimes and it's um and I think kind of yeah getting to know these characters in rehearsal and and the murkiness of that has been really fascinating and I think as well obviously how how we take that into everything else that we do and and every other way that we present and and perform as we just move through life right what are the things what are the ways that we 
allow certain things in certain scenarios because we figure that that's somehow just the easier path through. Mm-hmm. And and I think, again, I've been, I feel very lucky that a lot of the folks I've been working with have been also willing to share that navigation in their own lives um, and the process of learning and unlearning a lot of things. Can you tell me, and maybe I should have done this homework, uh, yeah. but moments, like I think it just is so fitting because that's how it feels as we navigate these spaces in life right. and that, that the theater group calls them moments. Mm-hmm. Can you yes. educate me a bit about yeah. Is that something they only do or what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. So, so yeah, so Tectonic Theatre Company uh, kind of coins this um, idea for their process, which is called like moments. So the idea is as they're devising work or as they're creating work, rather than thinking about it uh, in a more kind of traditional textual way, like saying, okay, this is uh, the first act, which is, you know, building up to this big climactic position and so on. Um, They're instead kind of formulating work around kind of moments that have specific uh, titles. And the title can be, uh, for instance, some of the the moments are, you know, a journal entry in uh, the Laramie Project, but some are more conceptual, like magnitude um, or hope. Um, and so it's this, or snow. So it's this, this idea of what is kind of the, the overall image or the, the driving, uh, yeah, the driving kind of concept behind something and how do you put it together? And it will include, uh, different actions. It might include different character snippets, but what's nice, so it doesn't follow a singular dramatic action, but rather the, the beat and the temporality is dictated by, as, as you say, by this idea of like, what's the thing you're capturing? What are you trying to hold here? Or what are you trying to articulate through? I, I think what I like about it for, for specifically for Laramie Project is how it allows us to think of a s- specific thing across different perspectives. Broadly, again, in devising, I think other companies I've worked with also use moment work when they're doing collective devising processes. And for instance, when I worked with Blue Mouth Inc. as an intern dramaturg, what they do is they create material. They write, let's say, like the little things that are being created are each written on an index card and put on a wall. And then the index cards are kind of reorganized under moment brackets. Mm-hmm. So we can think a moment could be welcome at the beginning of a show. And you could think, okay, what are the different ways we can welcome an audience? And what's nice, again, what I like about the idea of a moment, it can incorporate contradictions and variety. And yeah, and and going back to Tectonic Theatre Company, and specifically with the Laramie Project, I think what it really allows them to do is to carry us through the very real events and and the, you know, post-event interviews with real people and, and allow the logic to, again, both follow chronological time, but actually also break chronological time and follow thematics and different key concepts of how, as, as you're saying, Martha, how we actually try to negotiate these things or, or navigate these things in our actual life. One of the things, this is so interesting, and uh, could could sit here and listen to you describe your practice forever, to be honest. It's so uh, inspiring. I wonder sometimes in these situations that the people that come are the people that, mm. you know, are always in the room yes. on the issues. Can you yes. talk a little bit about that, you know, specifically around Laramie, but about theater and who's mm-hmm. drawn? You talked about audience right. earlier. So yeah, that's such a great question, right? I think that's always the challenge of thinking, how do we draw in folks who, who might be a kind of 
an unsuspecting audience member, I often think about it also aesthetically in the sense of, uh, you know, maybe you're looking for something that's conventional. And here at this moment, I'm going to disrupt that convention. Um, but it's a, it is, it's a very, you know, it's, it's kind of walking a tightrope because I think especially again now that many people, and again, where we are specifically, that where many people are not familiar with, with live theater, the stakes seem really high. As I said before, the wonder of being in a room, having to listen and stay and be there uh, for a certain amount of time is, is a kind of contract, but it does feel like a big ask at a time when there are a lot of other things that we can engage with at what feel like um, more levels of, con- of personal control, right? Mm-hmm. I can watch things uh, on my phone and I can turn it off if I don't like it um, and so on. And I can switch to something else. And, and so this idea, especially with live theater, that we know that it kind of, obviously, you know, in our case, it's always the same play. It's a, the play is published. You can read it. We're doing a performance of that play. We haven't improvised these things. But the fact is that when you join us for one of these evenings, it is its own event. And the, the, who is in that room affects the performance as well, right? If the audience is, uh, has come in thinking, oh, this is very heavy material, then that's going to feel a certain way versus an audience that maybe is willing to, to laugh with us in the moments that we've created to, to laugh. I think for myself, my hope is always that people will be willing to, to take the risk and I, for me, it's also important as an artist generally also to, to really, again, I mentioned welcome. I think for me, it's very important to be generous to the audience, just as I think of the way I set the space for the acting ensemble to come in and do the work. I think I, I want there to be space for people to come in to feel like they can take their time to navigate how they want to interact with us in this show. But I hope that they can also trust that part of the willingness to be there and the being there means that you will be challenged. And I think, again, in, you know, within the Western convention at the moment, which is that you sit in a darkened theater, I think that's also fascinating. I don't think it has to be that way. I actually don't think necessarily that's the most comfortable way to be an audience. But I think it, it is supposed to gift us some sort of anonymity, some sort of quiet, reflective space to respond to things and feel not called upon, even as we're very much called upon to be kind of participating in, in what's happening. Broadly, I, you know, I continue to hope that whoever comes to the theater, even if they already agree, and this is true for anything, with Laramie Project's val- values and where it's hoping to go, but broadly, that again, for me, what's wonderful is I think art can show us a different way to do the work. Mm. And I, again, I, I really, you know, I, I hope that even if, you know, it isn't someone sitting there and giving you a sermon about something. I mean, mm. it can be. There are performances like that. But for instance, with Laramie Project, it really isn't. And I think it's really trying to figure out how do we sit with this uh, from wherever our starting point is. Or even if we think we already know what we think, what happens when I watch this? And how does this connect to me today? Uh, even again with Laramie Project, you know, this is a specific piece of of history which we're amplifying and shifting because the performers are here and now and and this is happening here and now through their bodies this week. Thank you. So maybe you can uh, remind everybody about the dates and the important information. Yes, thank you. So the show opens this Thursday, March 23rd in D-Building, Room 105, and it runs Thursday, Friday evenings and Saturday matinees 
from this Thursday through to Saturday, April 1st. This first Saturday, we also have a post-show talkback facilitated by the UFV Pride Collective. And I really welcome folks to come out. We have an Eventbrite link um, that you can check. So if you go to Eventbrite and look up UFV Laramie Project, you'll find us. And again, it's six shows. And we really hope uh, that you'll come out and check it out. Wonderful. And I want to thank you. Uh, going back to one of the things you've said, I've been, I feel like I've been doing this work for a long time and yet listening to you and uh, hearing you talk about the production has, has made me rethink and learn some things about practice. So I just want to thank you very much for taking the time with us today. Thank you, Martha. It's a pleasure. Thank you.